Well, real quickly, only God's word can help us resist Satan today. By comparing these scriptures, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, there are some lessons that we should learn and choose this morning. Number one, beware of pride in any form. Now, go with me to Colossians chapter 3, and let's apply this in the New Testament. Colossians 3, uh, you remember you were in Ephesians, just two chapters beyond that. Philippians, Colossians chapter 3. Look at this. Beware of pride in any form. Satan's extraordinary high rank led him to meditate on those proud thoughts recorded that we just read in Isaiah 14, the I wills. So what should we do? Colossians 3. And look at verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, and here is a command, an imperative, put on tender mercies, kindness, and look at the third one, humility. God commands us. Humility is is not something that, that just happens. It's not human. It's not normal. It's not... It's not something that just happens in the course of life. It is a conscious choice that we humble ourselves in the sight of God, which Satan didn't do. Beware of any of pride in any form. Colossians 3.12 says, clothe, look at that third one, clothe yourselves with humility. It's a conscious choice. It's a choice to say that I don't deserve anything. In fact, this week when I was at the conference, at Shepherd's Conference, uh, uh, I was all week long, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in Los Angeles, and it's an annual event where 4,000 pastors go back to Grace Community Church, and then all of us who used to be at Grace Community Church meet with John. It was a wonderful time. But you know what one of the speakers said? It was, it was very insightful. He said, every time someone asks him how he's doing, he always says, better than I deserve. You've probably heard of that. You know what I thought about? You know what we deserve is infinite, eternal hell. So, do you know how we are today if you're born again? You are infinitely better than you deserve. Do you see, we deserve infinite, endless separation from God. And if we are not going to face that, Nothing else matters. You know, I think, I think about, uh, I was talking with a man when I was eating. I couldn't sleep. You know, I'm still on Kalamazoo time. I, so I woke up every morning at 4 o'clock, just bright as day. Los Angeles woke up at 4 o'clock. And so I would just drive down to my favorite place downtown and eat, where Bonnie and I used to eat every day when we lived in California 25 years ago. And they st- have all the street people, because it's right in the heart, poor part of L.A. And all the street people are still there, different ones, but they're all still there. And, uh, I mean, they sleep on their cardboard and they have their shopping carts. And so we used to always feed them and share the gospel with them. It was just part of what we did when we lived in Los Angeles. And there was Jimmy at the same you know, spot as everyone else had been on. So I just engaged Jimmy and talked to him a little bit. And he went through his woes and, and, and everything. And I said, you know what, though? Your greatest woe is that you are under the judgment of God for your sin. And I said, you're going to either pay for it forever or you're going to let Jesus Christ pay for it. He says, well, the government won't even pay my health care. I says, you know what? That's only a small thing. And I, 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 and I listened to him for 10 minutes. He told me all the horrors of you know, how he got to be homeless. And after he got done, he took a breath and he looked at me. And I said, but the greatest need you have is that you are going to forever pay for your sin. 
And I said, you, right here on this street corner, and I pulled out my track. I had two to share in L.A., and I pulled out my track, and I read it to him and, and handed it to him, and I said, but Jesus Christ, just like I'm offering you this track, Jesus Christ offers to you eternal life right here on this corner, right now. There is no sin you've ever committed. He is bigger than any sin you've committed or ever could commit. His salvation is offered to you. He died for the sin of the whole world, and you're included in that, Jimmy. And I said, and you can know him right here today. And he said, but the Social Security Administration won't pay my hospitalization. I said, you've gone back to, to the temporal. I said, you have an immortal, eternal soul. You know, here we are, 4 o'clock in the morning, in the dark. All these people are laying on the ground and in their cardboard. And we're having this conversation. And he kept looking at me. And so I said, okay, I'll be back after I get done eating. I'll talk to you again. I'll bring you some food. So he was waiting. I came back and he said, the government won't pay my stuff. And I said, but Jesus paid the big debt you really need to know about. And you know what is amazing? Our pride makes us focus on us and our temporal needs instead of God in our eternal need. And only when we clothe ourselves with humility, the way of salvation is acknowledging that I am desperately wicked. As John Newton said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? Wretch. Watch out. Every time the songwriters amend John Newton's writing and they change it from a wretch to a soul or a person, what they're saying is we're not really that bad. God says, I only save desperately bad people. And so we must resist pride. And clothe ourselves with humility. Don't share God's glory. Satan fell from his high position of being the anointed cherub, the highest ranking angelic being, because he was concerned with sharing, with having God's glory. Don't share God's glory. Give it all back to him. Stay close to God, no matter what it costs. In fact, keep going to the right, uh, to the book of James chapter 4, real quickly. James chapter 4. This is what, <clears throat> in verse 8, James, the brother of our Lord, the first New Testament letter written, the earliest one to the church in Jerusalem. He said, stay close to God no matter what it costs. It, it says, draw, verse 8, draw near to God. That's a commandment. Draw near to God. What precedes it? Look at verse 7 of James 4. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You and I must resist the pride, resist the self-sufficiency, resist the, the inability we have to say that I am a wretch. You know, our world is just the drumbeat is think more highly. Don't 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 think small of yourself. You know what God says? He says the way to the top is the bottom. The way up is down. He says if, if you make yourself the greatest servant, if you humble yourself as much as possible before me and clothe yourself with humility, I will be your God. Draw near to God by humbling yourself in the sight of God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9 continues. Lament, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Here it is, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and He'll lift you up. Stay close to God, no matter what it costs. As it says in, in, in verse 9, of James 4, repent and flee from all known sin and constantly, constantly remember that Satan, Satan had 
the highest position, the closest intimate relationship with God, and he lost all of that because of his sin. We should be like Paul. Paul says, I fear that I'm going to render myself useless by sin. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I don't want to be declared thrown out of the game. Not getting unsaved, just not being useful to God. Sin makes us not useful to God. So we should repent and flee all known sin. And we should beware of listening to our heart. Our heart is deceitful. Satan's downfall was his pride. His heart was lifted up because of his beauty, his wisdom. It was then that Lucifer became the serpent of old and Satan the adversary and Apollyon the destroyer and the devil slandering and the roaring lion stalking believers and the accuser of the saints. So when Satan tempts us, to despair. And what he usually does is he tells us of our sin within. What we should do is look to Jesus Christ as our fortress, as our deliverer. And we should follow his example and we should take the sword of the Spirit from this book that we trust, from this book that we feed upon daily. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every time you have a meal, you ought to mark how long has it been since the last time you had true spiritual food. That's what this daily bread is all about. It should not be that you can't remember the last time you were feasting on the Word of God and communing with Him and eating and finding the the food for your soul. It should be that you know exactly the last time you had a meal, a spiritual meal. Because only that Word can fell our adversary, the devil. The last verse, turn to... uh, Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to go. Revelation 12, because I want to show you at the climax of the tribulation, as the world is falling apart, as Satan is rampaging throughout the earth and his demonic hordes and all those locust demon creatures are stinging people and causing horrific pain, many of the saints of God, many of the converts from the 144,000 and the two witnesses and the angel preaching the gospel, many of those people are going to be being martyred on earth. In fact, chapter 7 and chapter 14 show this multitude no one can number wearing white robes that are martyrs coming out of the tribulation. But look at chapter 12, right in the middle of all that, verse 9. Satan is, is at his max. I mean, he is, is working in overdrive And this is what it says. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, Revelation 12, 9, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, this this is a uh, parenthetical chapter. And what it does is it kind of explains what's going on in the tribulation. Basically, right now, Satan has access to God. I don't know why, but God allows it. Job 1 and 2 tells us that he actually comes up there and accuses Christians, believers. And and God lets him come in front. And then Jesus steps forward and says, I paid for them. I forgave them. Father, they're mine. That's Jesus as our adversary and our advocate and intercessor. But during the tribulation, Satan is not allowed to get off the earth. He is confined to this planet. Right now, he's all over in the spiritual realm. He's confined. He is cast down, as it says here, and his angels with him. And look at verse 10. Now I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of his brethren who accused them before our God night and day has been cast down. Now look at verse 11. How do people on earth 
who are saints, who are facing the most powerful attack of the devil ever as he is confined to the earth, how do they make it? Look what it says in verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That's personal faith in Christ's sacrifice. You cannot overcome the devil unless you overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. Have personal faith, not general faith. You No, he gave himself for you. And by the word of their testimony, that's personal hope in Christ for salvation. You have a testimony. Remember I said that last week? You ought to write your testimony down and see if you have one, right? You can't overcome the devil if you don't have hope in Christ. And finally, look at this. And they did not love their lives to death. They loved Christ more than anything else. This morning, Satan's alive. He's real. He's powerful. And Jesus showed us that this Bible is the book we can trust because this is the only book Jesus used to resist the devil. This morning, we should declare our allegiance to Christ by taking time every day to feed our souls upon this Word which will fell the evil one and keep him from devouring us today. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. And as we stand, I would like you to, with heads bowed with me and eyes closed, I'd like you to make a decision in your heart that Jesus is going to be your refuge. These are hard times. Satan wants to bring doubt and discouragement and despair and make God feel distant to you. And you're going to say, when I feel that coldness and that distance and that darkness, I'm going to flee to you, O Christ. 